Hello, my name is Julia Streets and welcome to Diversity Podcast, talking about diversity and inclusion in financial services. In each episode, we seek to shine a light on successful progress, call out areas requiring further focus and offer practical ideas to help drive change. And today we welcome two senior industry executives as we examine the subject of diversity and inclusion in investment management. Our first guest is Bev Shah. Bev is the founder and CEO of City Hive, the only professional network dedicated to uniting, supporting and championing women at all levels of asset and investment management. Bev's career has included a true 360-degree view of the industry, drawing on experience from working as an investment platform provider, an asset manager, a private client investment manager. Bev, thank you for joining us. Hello. Our second guest is Justin Onakusi. Justin is a fund manager in multi-asset funds team at Legal and General Investment Management, or LGM, leading in the senior team's multi-asset strategy. His career has included a tenure with Aviva Investors, Merrill Lynch and Aon Consulting, and he is well regarded for his capabilities in strategic and dynamic asset allocation and multi-asset portfolio construction. Equally, he is a champion for diversity and inclusion on the investment floor for the group and serves as an advisor on City Hive's board. Hello. Wonderful. It's great to have you both here. And as always on the top of each show, we invite each of you to spend a minute talking about the big initiatives you're focused on at the moment. Uh, Bev, let me start with you. What are you working on? Um, So City Hive, as you described, is um, one of the only um, networks that supports women in the industry. We are totally independent and I'm a big believer in action with impact over just rhetoric. So although we spend a lot of time campaigning and talking about the issues because being independent I can say the things that no one else can um, we also have a lot of initiatives um, that we're working on that are things like a mentoring scheme just for um, people who are on the investment floor because that's where there's a real issue with lack of diversity um, we're working on a five-week program that will help retain women who've come back to work or are just in the middle of their career great wonderful thank you very much there's a lot in there we're going to unpick for sure uh, Justin let me turn to you what are you up to at the moment well, I struggle to compete with that. But um, so uh, I'm a multi-asset fund manager at LGM, as, as, as we mentioned. So my day-to-day job is actually managing money and investing in markets. Um, but, you know, on, on the side, I, you know, I, as I say, I, I drive the diversity and inclusion initiatives for the investment floor. And the idea is to really, you know, change the way we think about investments by having a more diverse um, diverse thinking um, and, and driving a diversity initiatives right across that investment floor. I also sit on the diversity and inclusion for LNG Group, uh, as you mentioned. So looking at the whole business, not just the investment business, but the whole of the business and where we can drive diversity and inclusion initiatives there. And then I sit on the diversity projects, uh, the ethnicity work stream, where we're focused on really trying to look at the underrepresentation of particularly black um, leaders in the investment industry and, 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 and what the reasons are and, and how we can look to change that. And finally, as you mentioned, I'm also advise on the board at City Hive, so I do um, I do help Bev um, Bev now and again, but um, clearly she's the, the the key driving force there. So Bev, let me start um, with you. I mean, with over 15 years in the city, where have you seen the greatest progress in DNI in asset management? We're just at the awakening. Um, if two years ago, if you'd if you'd mentioned the words diversity and inclusion in the industry, I don't think people would 
really know what you're talking about. In fact, I'm pretty sure if Justin and I talked about diversity two years ago, it would have been about our portfolios and, you know, the asset allocation via geography and, and currency and, and various other things. It certainly wouldn't have been about the people. Um, but we seem to be in this kind of almost perfect storm in the press and globally with things that have been happening over the last few years that means that the industry can no longer ignore it. Um, so, for example, I I launched City Hive at the back of at the tail end of 2016 after I was um, made redundant from my uh, job after returning from maternity leave, um, and I just thought, you know, I really want to see some change in the industry. I'm just sick of hearing anecdotally about so and so, you know, woman being made redundant after 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 coming back from maternity leave and all that talents being wasted. So at the same time as launching the diversity project, also launched um and i remember reading about it but they launched on the same day that trump was elected so the the news around it was buried um but but again no one you know no one really knew talked about diversity then and then you, 2017 happened and you had you know again you had things like the weinstein stuff coming out of hollywood the the me too movement and and equality all of a sudden was back on the agenda with the press and with everyone. And that's why the industries had to wake up. So, of course, we have the business case of why um, having women on boards and having more women and diversity in, in a business. But for the asset and investment management industry, it's it's even more important because it's down to your investments. And if you don't have diverse thinking and cognitive thinking um in your investments, it impacts everybody, not just the industry, not just equality, but Mrs. Miggins, her pension, Joe Taxi Driver, his pension. You know, would you rather have um would you rather have a more robust team looking at your investments than uh, the team of a team of people who think the same? I think this is really important when it comes down to the kind of the, the commercial intention and the per- commercial benefits. I mean, Justin, from from your perspective as well, you know, obviously this is something you think about very keenly. I mean, does it make an impact? I mean, it's it's great to hear, but does it actually make an impact on investment returns? Yes. Yeah, so so, so, so I, I do think we've got, as an industry, we've got a bit of a challenge there. But j- j- just as Bev said, I would say that the last over the last 12 months, we've seen a real momentum. Um, from the investment industry, and I can't talk about other industries, but the investment industry has really taken this by the scruff of the neck and said, okay, when we look at our, when we look at what we look like, when we look at representative diversity, this is not what we want to look like in the future. And I, I think that, that that is quite important because, you know, 12 months ago, we weren't talking about this as much as we are today. And maybe it's driven by by, by, by businesses like, like City High, like diversity projects, et cetera, et cetera. But, but, but when it comes to actually thinking, okay, does this actually improve investment returns? So does represent, and I think the, 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 I'll flip the question a little bit, does representative diversity or representational diversity actually lead to cognitive diversity? Actually, and we're a very numbers-driven industry, so we need to see the evidence that that, 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 that that actually exists. Now, we know that cognitive diversity leads to better investment decisions, but when it comes to the actual evidence to say, does representative diversity lead to cognitive diversity, I think you know we're still trying to crunch the numbers because, as you know, businesses evolve, teams evolve. So, so, it's, so it's actually very difficult right now to say there's the clear evidence that that, 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 that that is the case. And and just for the benefit of the listeners, when you talk about cognitive diversity, can you just, just deconstruct that a little bit in terms of what do, you, what do you mean by that? It's the way people think. So 
the argument is that if you come from a different background, so the city is predominantly made up of white middle class men. And if you come from a different background, whether it's gender, ethnicity, socioeconomic, you might have a different viewpoint because you've therefore come from a different different a band of experiences. So that's that's what it's about. But what, what we do in the investment industry is also, although it's numbers driven, it's also very subjective. It's it's, you know, those teams are coming up with their own processes. And what you're looking for is even when you're adding people to your team, it's an iterative process. It's not uh, it's not something that you can sit down and give someone a test or say, oh, you know, she ticks a box or he ticks a box because of what they their background is that they're going to fit in. I mean, I I would almost argue that if you're if you're hiring someone and you feel like they're not going to fit in your team and they aren't going to fit your company culture, they might be the ideal person for you because what what you're looking for is. Um, an example of this is so Chris, back back in 2018 we had the big credit crunch crash, and after this Christine Lagarde said, um, "What happens if Lehman Brothers had been Lehman Sisters?" And her point was that you, you we ended up with a market crash because you had groupthink. If you have someone there who's a bit of a naysayer or can point something out that you aren't all thinking the same, that's what you want. You want someone there who can catch that element that you haven't thought of, plug that hole, and and that's and um, I I'm. I'm I'm an Indian um Indian dyslexic dyspraxic woman daughter of a refugee so I've got lots of kind of box in terms of box ticking but I would say my biggest kind of diverse thinking is that I'm dyslexic and dyspraxic like when the rest of my team think with one side of their brain mine thinks on the other uh, I think this this is that's really important that diversity isn't necessarily about box ticking. And, 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 and that's where actually just having representative diversity doesn't necessarily lead to cognitive diversity. You need to think about the shape of your team and, and how it looks. So what diversity really means to me is to get the best people in the, into the right jobs. I think, I think that's what diversity, diversity really means. And for whatever reason, structural reasons, biases, the list can go on and on and on. I don't think the investment industry has necessarily done that historically. And, and do you think it's waking up to it? I mean, do, you, we talk about this kind of wave of change that's happening at the moment. Do you think that um, heads of businesses are, are seeing that if we want yes. to compete and we want to drive returns, yes. we must change this? I, I, I think they are. I think right at the top level they are. So the C-suites and probably even the, the, the level below that are now recognising that actually this is something that, that, that they have to do. And it's not only from an investment return perspective, it's what clients are demanding. Mm-hmm. Now when, when you get RFPs in, so when, when, you, when you're looking to pitch for a new business, clients are actually saying, let me see what your team looks like. Let me see the gender breakdown of your team. Let me see the ethnicity breakdown of your team. So actually, it's leading to actually business wins and, and whether you can actually win business. So, so I think that that is leading to C-suite and, and the level down um, to, to, to really recognise that. I think the big challenge is the level below that, the people who are actually line managed, who are managing on, on, on a day-to-day basis, which we'll probably talk about a bit more later on. Yeah, and the, the, the middle uh, the middle management, as you'd like to call it, is, and I, I don't think it's a cynical reason. There is obviously unconscious bias going on, but if you're doing the day job and you've been working for in the industry for, I don't know, 15, 20 years, um, you've, you've heard... You've heard the uh, new values from your company come down every three years. <laughs> I mean, we've all we've all been there, right? The, the, the C-suite will send down this year's corporate values are integrity and blah, 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 blah. And then three years later, there's a new management team and there's something else. So you've got that, I suppose, cynicism. You've got to do the day job of 
investing or selling or whatever you're doing, you don't have the time or the idealism to kind of say, I'm going to take this one on board now. Um, and I think obviously diversity is in the early stages of being talked about in the industry. Um, there's, I, th- I think there's a lot of people who are scared that they're going to end up losing their job because they don't tick a box. But Justin's absolutely right when he says it's about it's about the right person getting the job. But up until now, not everyone was given the opportunity to apply for that job. That's the problem. If we can say, if we change the way job specs are, are worded, if we change the way the recruitment process is done, and then and which means that everyone, women, people from different ethnic backgrounds, people from, from lower socioeconomic backgrounds, feel like they can apply for the job, not just your CFA, Oxbridge, private educated candidate, then you've got more of a chance of getting the best person for the job. When we think about that sort of <clears throat> that middle management layer, are there initiatives that you're that you're seeing emerge to help those middle management executives think, behave differently? You've mentioned about sort of job descriptions and the way that CVs are, or, or the way in which the recruitment process is 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 uh, being driven. And clearly, that, for that, we look to HR to help guide those middle management layers. But I think part of it's also about how you structure teams and how you recruit people and how you, how you, you set objectives, etc. Are you seeing some shift in that delivery for that level? I think we are. Um, but you, you just have to recognise that it started with the C-suite. It's trickled down to the layer below. And it just takes time to trickle down to, 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 to line managers overall. Secondly, businesses aren't necessarily set up they haven't been set up historically to, to, to look at these things. So they don't have necessarily the resource to, to write new job specs, to, to look at different recruiting, re- recruiting consultants. But I think, I think one thing that, it, that is clear, though, that everybody seems to recognise within the industry is that the recruitment process, the way it used to work, doesn't, doesn't necessarily generate diversity. And, and, I, and I think that the, 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 the second point, I don't want to, the third point I want to mention, is around one thing we haven't really spoken about yet, is it's not just about diversity in, in terms of getting the right people in, it's also about the inclusion side. So retaining, developing and nurturing talent that you have. Because what you tend to find actually at those lower levels, actually you get quite a diverse slate. But actually as then people progress through the company, then um, underrepresented groups simply just don't, Seems to don't seem to don't seem to feed through, don't seem to filter through to the, to, to the top. Levels. And then clearly, the way you're doing with the city hive, I mean, must be focused on very much on um, helping women, women returners, etc. And and you talked about some of the initiatives that you're driving out and a program throughout the year. Yeah, so does I, that address that? Yes, yeah, so I ha- I don't come from a HR or a recruitment or a or a professional development background, but my my investment background means I've spent my career putting processes together and also assessing other people's processes. So what I did was I went back to the drawing board and I thought about what would have helped me, um, what would have helped me, you know, uh, because I've been through this journey, what would have helped the people I know, the women I know in this industry. Um, And I thought about the one time in my life where I built a network I needed very quickly, which was when I had kids. I, I went to the NCT, which if those of you don't have kids, it's like a five, six week program where you meet people who are in basically in the same boat as you. They're, they're all pregnant and you might not like all of them, but you're all there together and you end up, you know, building connections with people you need at that time. And because you've seen them on a regular basis, you you have that connection and, and they support you along your journey after you've had kids and, and beyond. And I'm still friends with lots of my NCT friends. So what I've done is I've put together a programme 
um, which is five weeks long. Um, and it's and it's to help, it's cross-company, because I think the, the key here is you don't want to, you to be as open as you can with with a support network, you, you know, if you all work together, there is still the politics of working in the same firm. It's cross-company, and over those five weeks, you will have the professional development you need, but you'll also build a support network and hopefully walk away from that with, you know, the the, the connections and the support you need. Um, so we, we, that's that's one thing well, I'm working on. Um, there's also, I think, the accessibility. When Again, whenever I used to look at, well, I didn't even think about professional development when I was working, but again, now I know about it. I think, God, why didn't I, you know? Um, but again, when you look at it, it's so expensive and it's, you know, life coaching and that sort of thing is so expensive. So we're trying to make it as accessible as possible for people. And, and there's no reason why companies can't, for instance, let someone expense that you know you need to kind of look at what do you let your employees do you know do they always have to give up their time in the evening to go to something like this or should they actually embrace the fact that building networks is part of their job and therefore they should be allowed to do it in the day you know if you've got that that retention bit the the mothers that we see disappear um you know they can't. You can't. I mean, I have to go and do my second job when I leave work, but they can't. So why can't they leave work at three to go to do some networking or on a course? That's almost the, the preserve of the senior management layer, which yeah. gives you the privilege of going to all these networking events. And and the, the workplace does need to change. So flexible working is so important. We talk about, you know, it's talked about lots to do with diversity because the next generation, whether whatever, where whatever their background, they they have a different desire. The millennials, whoever you want to call them, whoever's the next generation after that, they have different desires and different wants. They aren't coming into a city which Justin and I came into, which was big bonuses and all the rest of it. You know, I would if I was if I was now graduating, I would be looking at the tech industry. I would be looking to go and work for some, you know, maybe not Facebook today after after this year, but certainly that that industry which seems more dynamic that. A, peers to care about their employees not the scandal ridden city of rich corrupt bankers because the the problem again we have in our industry is to do with image no one knows who asset management is we're asset investment wealth fund but also managers but also there is no um positive pop culture about us there's no positive role models out there that people can talk about you know if you are um i don't know a 16 year old and you're walking into a careers fair at school you know what a lawyer does you might not end up doing criminal law which because you've seen it on tv you might end up just being a solicitor filling out forms but you know what a lawyer does and therefore and your family does so therefore if you go down that route you'll go and seek out that stall I'm sorry, but no one knows what an investment manager does. They're not going to go and hunt out the, you know, the L gym stall at, at, at the careers fair. And when you do look at popular culture, you have corruption. You have billions where, <laughs> which drives me potty because the only way that guy can make money is by insider trading, which is not, <laughs> not, not, not a reality. Or you have McMafia that was on the BBC this year, which is not, again, it's not a reality and it doesn't paint the city in a very good light. And then you have real things like the President's Club which again, isn't the city, but is branded the city. This is not the investment industry, but it's branded as. And and I think this is really important when it comes to, um, as as you say, which is, you know, younger talent coming through and they they face many choices and jobs that didn't necessarily exist sort of five years ago. But also in terms of, I mean, I, I, I speak at a lot of conferences. My world is in technology, financial services technology, and some of that obviously comes into the world of investment management as well. 
And so if you're looking for new skills, you need to have people who are very tech savvy, who understand data scientists, cyber security, you know, if you even want to go down, down that route. And they are not people who look at this industry and think, exact, I'm just echoing your point, that's not where I want to work necessarily. Um, and yet we need them so 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 very much. I mean, are you seeing evidence where where in the investment management industry is getting that point? I mean, do we see examples where people are going? We need to present ourselves in a very very different different way, or are you still, or, or is that a step too far on this journey of awareness, change, uh, and 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 embracing change? Justin, yeah, no, I, I think I think they want to. Um, I think the biggest challenge is you've got. If you look at the majority of the client base at the moment, you still, you know, there's still a quite a big chunk of investment managers' client base is DB pension schemes, which are typically managed by trustees who tend to be and DB being defined benefit. Sorry, defined yeah. benefit, mm-hmm. yeah, um, which tend to be managed by trustees. So at the same time, whilst you're trying to appease that type of that type of clientele, that type of client, at the same time, you, you're also trying to go direct to consumers, direct to millennials. So, so, so actually, asset managers have got you know really quite a bit of a, a bit of a challenge to appease to, to two types of markets to try and be big, boring, conservative or, or, on, on the DB side to say well, you know we, we, we can manage your assets and try to be more dynamic to 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 to, to, to and is it simplistic to say that's institutional versus retail? Is is that is that the line? But because actually, as you were saying, Bev, about you know, yeah. is it, is it um, uh, wealth management, fund management, investment yeah. management? You know, there are lots it's, of nuances. Yeah, it's, it's actually more than that because you, 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 within retail, then you've got you know financial advisors who tend to be the average age of financial advisors is fifty five, but then the client base tends to be uh, or, or, or more and more is is, is becoming is 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 is, 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 is falling age. So so so, so I, I just think I just think it's a challenge for asset managers to decide you know what type of man- asset manager they want to be but, but 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 what i've seen as i say over the last 12 12 months is that asset managers are really looking to embrace this and, and say actually we do need to change what that change looks like i think i think is is, is, is still up for debate and, and i think the, 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 the last point is just relaying back to bev and actually attracting um attracting graduates in, in, into the industry because asset management is quite specialized and it's quite niche. And typically the people that come into the asset management industry year after year isn't necessarily the, the same amount of people that banks would hire, that other financial services companies hire. You haven't seen, um, asset managers haven't been visible at, at, at universities. And if, and if they have been visible at universities, it's only been at a small number of universities. So, so, so I do think the asset management industry is waking up to that and saying, actually, if we want a diverse workforce, we do need to appeal to a, a wider range of, 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 of entry-level students. And one, one, one thing on that is that the, even the government, with through their Women in Finance Charter, which is a pledge that companies in the city make to, um, they pledge for a certain number of senior senior women in, by a certain date, that's that sort of thing. So it's a pledge. They have also committed, I think via, a, not the Women in Finance Charter, it might be um, the Investment Management um, Select Committee to um, back some centres of excellence for asset management around the country. Now, I don't know what these are going to look like. I think they're to do with building out the asset management image within universities. And I think that might have something to do with Brexit because... Um, what a lot of people don't know is that asset management is actually the biggest um, revenue generator for HMRC. Um, and and we are an industry that isn't going to be as impacted as banking. Um, so we will be the biggest kind of taxpayer 
um, and therefore the government wants to ensure that we um, kind of you know look after ourselves. But the the other the other thing is is that where asset managers don't know what they want to look like because of the different client bases they have. At the end of the day, you can't go wrong if you just try and be the best you can be. And at the end of the day, the outcome will speak for itself. The the other argument I was going to make is that um, diversity and cognitive diversity, obviously difficult to measure. Um, but also, if you do hire women or people from ethnic backgrounds or socioeconomic, it doesn't mean they're going to be better. I think it's more about they just have a seat at the table. I think that's the key. At the moment, everything's being positioned around diversity will add value. But, you know... I personally think I've just I've got every right to be as crap as my my white male colleague at the end of the day. You know, why should I have to perform better in order to have my seat at the table? And that, and that's the other element you've got there. You've got the equality argument going alongside the business case. You've got both there. Let's take a pause there and turn to Cynthia Akinsanya and Robert Pinto Fernandez who have been scouring the industry for supporting research. In 2015, Alexander Mann Solutions, the world's leading provider of talent acquisition and management services, and Trading Hub, a global financial information services company, published a study looking at the behavioural differences and trading abilities of around 350 male and female entry-level graduates. The graduates took part in a trading simulation over a period of four weeks. The results were as follows. The female traders took 30% less risk. Male traders placed 27% more trades, which increased the onward cost of brokerage and transaction fees. And male traders were two and a half times more likely to break the rules, demonstrating a greater risk of chance or recklessness. This study highlights the different attributes and skill sets that men and women can bring to the trading floor. Cognitive diversity is the inclusion of people with different styles of problem solving. They can offer unique perspectives because they think differently. Unlike demographic diversity, which focuses on achieving a mixture of statistical characteristics such as gender and age, cognitive diversity focuses on combining different approaches to intellectual activities like making associations or drawing conclusions. According to the 2018 Management Agenda, published by Charitable Trust Roffey Park, 37% of the organisations surveyed said they were not effective at recruiting for cognitive diversity. Thank you, Cynthia and Robert, and links to the references and research can be found on our website, diversitypodcast.com. Remember, that's diversity with a C, not an S. You can also sign up for early notifications of future episodes, and please do follow us on Twitter at diversitypod, and you can find us on all good podcast channels. If you've enjoyed the show, we'd really appreciate a rating. It all helps promote the episodes. So one thing we are very keen to talk about on the podcast in the concept of diversity inclusion is the question of race and ethnicity. And as you say, Bev, it's a, it's a predominantly white, middle, middle-aged male uh, environment. If we're going to drive change in ethnicity, I'm very keen to understand what will drive that change. And, and strikes me that are people comfortable talking about race in the industry? No, Um Socially, it's okay to be a misogynist or a sexist. You can talk about it openly, you know, and debate it. But it's not socially acceptable, of course, to be a racist. And therefore, it's very difficult for someone who isn't ethnic to talk about it for fear of using the wrong language. Um, 
And that's that's where the problem is. And as an industry that is predominantly white, how do you then tackle that challenge? So thankfully, you have role models like Justin and I who are can say the things that the other people feel uncomfortable to say, but also can shine a light on how to change things. Um, my own personal experience with race is that um, my my real name is actually Bavini. And when I left university, back tail end of the millennium, um, I sent out CVs, the same CVs with Bev Shah and one with Bavini Shah on. Same, same information, everything the same, same cover letters. Bavini Shah got no responses, not even a no thank you. Bev Shah got responses, job interviews, even no thank you letters. And since I've joined the city, I've always been known as Bev Shah. And when people have asked me for my name, and I'm I'm proud to be called Bavini, I'll say it's no, Bev's not short for Beverly, it's Bavini. I'll have people say things like, oh, Bavinda. And they don't seem to realise that's actually very insulting. I've just told you what my name is, Um, you know, um, and you're just you know, almost making fun. And I'm sure Justin's had similar experiences with his own name and pronunciation of them. And, and Justin, some insights into to your experience. And what, and what do you think would be, if there were one or two things that would actually drive change? So I, I, think, I think it's really important that we spoke about managers and the, the level below kind of senior management. I think it's really important that they understand their biases. I think when you speak to managers, this has been the, the, the whole industry, they don't necessarily recognise that one size of management doesn't fit all. They think um, that, you know, that, 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 that they've got their style of management and that applies to everybody. But they need to understand how to communicate, acknowledge different cultures and biases, um, and, and you have to manage your own biases. And, and, and I think we have to be honest as an industry and say this isn't easy. It's not easy for managers. One of the things that people often say about the industry is, well, ethnicity is... We've got loads of nationalities, so ethnicity is, is captured by nationalities. Actually, ethnicity is very different from, 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 from nationality. I think you know experiences of different ethnicities are quite important as well. So we lump BAME all together, but actually the, the black experience is very different from the, the Asian experience, etc. Et so, so I think it's important to, to, to acknowledge that. And just, just, just uh, one of the things I've been doing over, over, over the last the last few months, actually sitting down with a lot of black people and actually, and actually saying, well, what are the barriers to diversity and inclusion? And I think this is really important because we, as, as 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 senior role models, can turn around and say we know we know what the issues are. But actually, you only really understand the issues when you start to speak to people about what their issues and what the barriers that they've, they've had are. And just a few points have come up, and, and they resonate with me because I suppose growing up, I, 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 I've seen. I, I've seen some of these issues. So an example is um, uh, common themes. Um, I've been told, you know, that you're, you're lazy. Um, been told by parents you have to work harder than um, your white counterparts. And, and I think as a manager, a manager, if you haven't necessarily felt some of these things, it's very difficult to, to be able to, to be able to, to be able to manage them. So I think when it comes to biases, it's so important to recognise that biases work both ways. It's not just the managers, it's actually the, the, the people who are being managed that have biases as well. And, and this is where I think role models and mentors become more important because if you've experienced those type, uh, similar themes, then actually as a role model and a mentor, by simply winning, by simply um, climbing that ladder, by simply 
be, becoming senior, it encourages people to um, to fight against those biases, and I think I think that that is is, re- is really important. Well, I have to say, I'm I'm immensely impressed um, and very positive and very hopeful. It's, it feels like it's a beginning of a journey in investment management um, context, but to have two role models like yourselves uh, out championing change in the industry, thank you both for taking so much time. I know you're incredibly busy, so I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you, Bev, and thank you, Justin. Thank you. Thank you. This episode of Diversity Podcast was produced by me, Kieran Yates, on behalf of Julia Streets Productions. Thanks to Cynthia Akinsanya and Roy Pinto Fernandez for their insights. You can find out more about the guests on this week's show on our website, diversitypodcast.com, and that's diversity with a C, not an S. Whilst you're there, you can also sign up to our newsletter for all our latest updates. To be sure of catching all our future podcasts, subscribe to our feed in iTunes or your favourite podcast app. And if you've enjoyed this episode of Diversity Podcast, remember to give us a rating or review. It all helps promote the show to a wider audience. Finally, our Twitter handle is at DiversityPod. Thanks for listening. <laughs>